Amen. I salute my elder brother. I salute uh, Fet Ayo. Hallelujah. When uh, I had to take the decision of going into full-time ministry, uh, it was a desire I had, but I wanted to obey the voice of God, not uh, my desire. And um, it was clear in those days what it is for you to have the gift of spiritual men. I made the transition according to the word of the Lord and um, I think apart from my salvation, that was the most strategic decision of my life. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Thank you for Pastor Zach and this mighty household of prophets that you have raised in the heart of Lagos. Uh, we give you glory and we magnify your name. And we yet ask that during the course of this uh, moment that you will allow your streams to yet flow and gather much more momentum as you brood over the spirit of your people and equip us for the days to come. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. Um, maybe the man or the keyboard, you give me strings. I'll just talk for like um, 30 minutes and I will be done. Matthew chapter 6, because we need to still mobilize prayers for the convocation in the evening. I'd already pro promised uh, Pastor Zach that um, all we we'll have a full weekend to do our thing. So just uh, uh, this is just me coming to say yes. I believe in what you're doing. I'm part of what you're doing. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Just stay with me in a moment. And after this manner. Six verse nine. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is. In heaven. So we are looking at the fundamentals of prayer. And it, it's needful for us to understand that Jesus made this presentation in response to a demand for him to teach his disciples how to pray as John taught 
his own disciples. So there were some disciples of John that decamped to become disciples of Jesus. And those disciples of John once and again made reference to the prayer teaching that John gave his disciples. And it was as if Jesus totally omitted capacity building in the area of prayer. And so when these disciples of John saw that teaching on prayer has been omitted, they went to Jesus and made a request. And then the moment the request came, the very moment the request came, Jesus began to teach about prayer. It means that the curriculum for the subject was prepared, but Jesus was not willing to engage the curriculum until there was a desire in that regard. You know, when you begin to teach people prayer that do not desire to pray, uh, what Jesus is saying is that that investment may be lost. So even though the curriculum was there, he wanted them to desire such education so that the education will meet with a willingness to practice. And that will unlock so many things. So in keeping with the request that came to him, in keeping with the request that came to him, he now said, okay, maybe you wait for 15 minutes and then you join me. In keeping with that request, he said, after this manner, therefore, pray. Then he began to unlock certain concepts. But it is needful uh, for us to understand that um, this was not the only time Jesus taught on the subject of prayer. There were three teachings he did on the subject of prayer uh, during the course of his ministry. And in the first teaching, which is this one, uh, the personality of God was captured by a metaphor, Father. Right? So this prayer teaching is in the environment of that metaphor. The second prayer teaching he did, the personality of God was captured with a metaphor, George. And the principles and practice of prayer in the judicial and governmental scope was fully articulated behind that metaphor. There was also another prayer teaching Jesus did when God was captured as friend and the principles and the practice, and that is based on relationship. If you have built some relationship with God, you can exploit that relationship to move the hand of God. And all of that was the environment uh, of that delivery revealed prayer at that level. So what I'm saying is the things that we might be discussing today are not exhaustive in, in the topic fundamentals of prayer. Because if we are going to do the full scope of the layout, then uh, we'll need to capture the metaphors that were used and then bring us understanding on the strength and the implication of these metaphors. Now, in this first layout, 
So, is there any problem? Okay. I, w- I just wanted to find out if there's sound on that thing. Is there, is there sound there? All right, there's sound. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, in this arrangement that we have here, what Jesus is attempting to tell us is that the extent to which our enterprise of prayer will prosper is the degree to which we have received understanding of God as Father. You see, this adventure called prayer, and it is one of the things as prophetic people we need to teach and reteach and teach and repeat and repeat because prophetic personalities are supposed to be very vast in this transaction. And so it is needful for us to build capacity along these lines. The church in Africa is migrating. The church in Africa is migrating. There were so many things that have been taught for the past 25 years, 30 years, that are not important. Now, as we, as we advance, you will know what I'm talking about. Wasted people's destiny, wasted people's life. The things that will make us engage our God and take advantage of the provisions that he has made available to us in the spirit were not emphasized. And so the average believer is looking for what is not lost. And that is the kind of thing that results when deception thrives. I believe that once upon a time in the body of Christ, uh, the spirit of deception took over the handle of our vocal cord and led the people of God into shadows. So part of uh, the duty of the prophetic voice in this time is to bring the people of God out of the shadows and to cause them to embrace the reality that God is. And one of those platforms where we can engage with reality is a prayer platform. And so we need to establish doctrines and prayer so clearly so that the least among our company will be able to engage God so practically and draw benefit from our intimacy with him because God has no favorites. God just has intimate. So Jesus is saying here that we will need a revelation of God as father in order for us to be able to prosecute prayer adequately. And when I mentioned father, Few of us in the room are fathers. And so it, there is a temptation for you to think that because you are a father, it gives you an idea of God as father. I just came to tell you that you are wrong because your model of fatherhood is by no means compared to the kind of father that God Yes, and I have evidences for the claim that I just made. First evidence, I believe, um, let me take you on a very quiet journey. You know, I like uh, this atmosphere. When people have worshipped, then the teaching ministry can prosper. I was telling prophet when we were coming, I, I cannot determine what I will be. You know, I can go for a meeting now and I'm a prophet. And then I go for another one. Then I become a teacher. I, 
can't. Even though I want to always be a prophet, actually. That's the, that's a quiet desire. <laughs> but um, this is how the Lord has made me. Now, in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 7, because someone in the room is saying, okay, I've been a father for like um, so many years. And uh, because of that, uh, it entitles me to some form of understanding of the kind of father that God is. You are wrong. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number. Let's do 7 to 11. In 30 minutes, I'll shut down. I'll shut down not because we have finished. I will shut down because of the convocation and with also a promise that we're going to do this that I'm starting now. We'll do it fully in a weekend. And that weekend will not be enough for this matter. <laughs> but we will do as much as we can take. And this is a subject that we cannot rush. Because this is one of the things that God will have us teach in this season. Prayer. We have to teach it. Because the re disciples requested to be taught in order for them to understand practice and procedure. Now, this is Matthew chapter 7 verse 7. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. As we progress in the lecture, there is a time we will need to come back to Matthew 7, 7 again. And then we'll see the, the progression from asking and the principles of asking. Then there are principles of seeking. And then there are procedures and principles of knocking. So we must be able to ask adequately, to seek adequately, you know. We must be trained to seek what it means to seek God, especially in this season. Um, so many people are asking questions. Who do we line with? Uh, where is God taking Nigeria and all of that? Uh, because we are trained to seek, we might be privileged to be in custody of the kind of details, intelligence, that our generation might need to make a headway. I pray and I believe that the time will come in this nation where before major de decisions are taken, nations to align with the kind of businesses to do as a nation, consultations will have to be made with men that have been found to be such, such functionaries in the kingdom of God that know how to seek out the mind of Hallelujah. All right, next verse. For everyone that asketh, it means there is profit, there is feedback that comes if you engage in these matters. So it is something that is very, uh, very, very promising because there is always breaking news come out, coming out of heaven. For everyone that that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. The reason why I started from verse 7 is so that you will see that the subject that is being dealt with here is prayer. I just wanted you to see that. Okay, next verse. Go on. 
Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, he will give him a stone? Now he has moved from telling you that there is profit in asking. Even if you are asking wrong, are you there? Even if you are asking wrong, the Bible says that he that cometh to God must believe two things. First of all, that he is. And then second of all, that he is, he, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. If what you are seeking him for is wrong, wrong. The Bible did not even say when you seek right. No, the fact that you came to seek, you will have a reward. Because God is, is trying to entice us to adopt the prayer way. Now, having said that, he now switches to the issue of human fatherhood. Because someone here is saying that I'm a father. And if God is a father, it means, you know, the way I deal with my child, you are wrong. He switches to the, the concept of human fatherhood. And he says, uh, is there any among you, when your son comes to you to ask for bread, you give him a stone? Uh, we know the answer is no. Right? Yeah? He says, is there any among you that your son shows up to ask for fish and you give him a serpent? Uh, I know the answer will be no. Then this is Jesus' conclusion. He said, if then ye being evil, now according to Jesus, this is comparative analysis. <laughs> your being evil is not that you are evil in the context of your sociology, but compared to God, the model of your fatherhood is considered to be evil. And the fact that it is evil doesn't stop you to give good gifts to your children. I just wanted you to know that your model of fatherhood by no means comes close to being compared to God's model of fatherhood. We will need to study it afresh, apart from your own experience, so that we can know what it is all about. He said, if you've been evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more? Your heavenly father that is a good father. That means God's fatherhood is in a different class. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him? This fatherhood of God, we can access his potential and walk in his potential if we pray. So, our every one of us is going to discover this personality called father for himself. Every one of us. He's going to discover him. It's not like anything you know. It's not like anything you have experienced. And if we are willing to ask him, then we afford ourselves the opportunity to be able to discover him. That's number one. Now, number two, I need to tell us how to know the Father. And for that, we need to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11. How do we know this Father now? Matthew chapter 11, verse number 27. Stay with me. Just 30 minutes. We'll shut down and then we'll come back and do a proper weekend thing and establish it. And then you will see. We'll practice it. After the teaching, when I come back again, then we'll, we'll do one prayer. Then you'll see your Heavenly Father. Just, we'll just do some, you will be amazed. 
what will come out of it. And each and every one of us has a destiny to be able to know this, our Father, in a way that is unique to you. But the entry point is you will need to exercise your spirit to ask. When we come again, you will not need these tables because there will be too many people who will need to take these tables out to accommodate. In fact, I don't know, but the Lord will help us. He said, all things, this is Jesus speaking, if you have a red letter Bible, you'll find that this is unread. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son reveal him. There is only one way to know the Father, and that is through the witness of the Son. And so, if we want to find out who the Father is, we will need to study the Bible and find out what the Son said about his Father. That is the attempt of the Son to reveal his Father to us. The Father must be revealed by the chartered functionary called the Son. There's no other way you can know him except through the witness that the Son brings. So, our, our attempt this morning is to trace in scripture and find out what Jesus said about his father and know the implication of that on the adventure called prayer. Exactly. Yes, you are following me now. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we find the first scenario. Matthew Chapter 6. Alright, maybe I'll just begin from verse 1. Matthew 6, 1. I'll begin from 1. and uh, It said, take heed that ye do your arms before men to be seen. That ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise... Ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Alright? He said, therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do. Now, somewhere along the line, we will need to do definition of terms. Because in attempting to describe the things that Jesus is raising here, he introduces some terminologies. And some of the terminologies he uses here, he doesn't use it anywhere else in the entire Gospels. Are you with me? One of such terminologies is a hypocrite. He said, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. I don't have time for that. This, the hypocrites have two platforms. The first platform they have is called what? Synagogue. You see, the Bible is so prophetic. So prophetic. Because you will see the issue that is being discussed here is the issue of giving arms and, 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 and making it public. And he, he mentioned a platform that the things take place, he mentioned synagogue. <laughs> it, it.
Sometimes I marvel. I marvel at the accuracy of the scripture. Only the spirit that is behind prophecy can be responsible for this book. He say, what? In the synagogues and on the street. <laughs> that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. All right, go on. But when thou dost arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine arms might be in secret, that thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So you have seen one of the descriptions of our father, but stay with me. Stay with me. Because the subject is not giving arms, the subject is prayer. Alright? Alright, go on. And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrite. You see, that terminology that existed for arms still exists for prayer. It means we can have a giving hypocrite. We can also have a prayer hypocrite. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For the love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the street that they may be seen of men, I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. When we come to God to make petition to him, the reason for which we are coming to him is because we need answers to our petitions. You have adequately articulated your circumstance and you know that you need an intervention from God. And so you advance a prayer initiative in order to secure the moving of his hands. Is that not so? Well, the first thing Jesus does in helping our understanding is that he establishes a difference between prayer answered and prayer rewarded. Because if you check that thing, he says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What God wants to give you are rewards for prayer. But what you are looking for are answers to prayer. It, that's why I said we need to do definition of them. So we are going to define prayer rewards. Because that's what he wants to give. How many of you have read the scripture that says, Call unto me. And I will answer you. I give you this, what we're looking for. And I will, but the procedure has not finished because I want to give you something too. And I will show you. It wasn't part of what you prayed for, but it's part of what I want to give. But I will give you your answers so that you can have a sense of accomplishment that the thing is producing results. So you can, you can desire results and you will have it. But beyond the results that you seek, I want to bring you into the arena of rewards. And, and there is a way you will pray that you will qualify for rewards, not just for answer. So like I said, we'll do the, when we do the definition of terms, we'll do hypocrite and then second terminology here that we'll, we'll talk about is prayer. It's rewards and the context is prayer. 
Okay. Next one. But when? Yeah, next one. Verse 7. He said, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the hidden do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. There is a temptation for you to think that prayer is informative. God does not know your problems. So you need to tell him. So that he will know that you need to get married. Then it will surprise you to know. Because when we read on, you'll find out. One of the attributes of our father is that he knows. So how do you pray to a God that already know. Next verse. Be not therefore like unto them for your heavenly father. No way. You know. So how do you address him? How do you pray to him? You think, you think he is... He's ignorant, so I need to, you need to gather your points and say, you see, you're, you're, you don't understand. They don't marry my family. Your Heavenly Father knoweth that what things ye have need of before he asks. Don't worry, we're going to... It's a fine piece. It's a fine piece. Yeah, go on. All right. Now, first of all, first of all, I need to raise something quickly. I need to raise something quickly. Go back to six. Six verse six. Then I will establish my first point in the next five minutes. Then... Pizak will continue. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, you skip this verse in your, in your media presentation. When thou prayest, the first thing he recommends is that you should walk into thy closet. Now, those are part of the definition of terms, closet. Right, because you will realize that it's not closet as in get away from town. Yeah, there's an application of that in that context. But you cannot do that every day. But you can shut the door to your closet every day. So there is a closet you need to know. And this closet that you need to know, you have power over whether the closet is open or shut. Exactly. So when you shut the door, he said, pray to thy father, which is in secret. That's one. That's one, one attribute of our father. He is in secret. 
and he seeth, he, thy father that seeth in secret will reward thee openly. Now, so there are two things about our father that is already captured here. First of all, he is in secret. And secondly, he, he sees in secret. So when we say that our father is in secret, what we mean is that by an act of his will, he exercised his authority to determine that he will be locked up, he will be domiciled, he will be operationalized in the spirit realm. So your physical senses cannot engage him. But that doesn't mean he is not ever present. But that's how he decided to make himself handicapped, he is in secret. Are you there? Yes, he also sees in secret. Well, you know when God was trying to educate Samuel the prophet because he was making decisions and recommendations about who will be king by their physique. And then God now in attempt to educate the prophet now said, men look on the outward, but I look on the heart. The God that sees in secret, his focal point of emphasis is the heart. And the heart happens to be the altar from whence prayer arises. God doesn't take your prayer from what you say because it is possible for your heart to be far away from him and then your mouth is mouthing things that looks religious. It looks churchy. What you are doing is not prayer that will ascend into the sanctuary of God. If you know that our God sees in secret, you are going to be careful to tend your heart, to texture it. And then you, you also know that Satan will do anything within his power to ensure that he gets that heart in a corrupted state corrupted state such as you will not have the audience that you want to secure before your father. Your heart is going to be the most, the strongest ground of battle. Now, if you see the way God created, he made your brain to hide in your skull. He made your heart and your lungs to hide in your rib cage. He made your, your, your spinal cord to hide in your vertebral column. But he said unto us, keep your heart with all diligence. I didn't make any burglary for it. It will be your duty to keep it. Uh, for out of it, and what? In Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word issues there is the same word for boundary. For boundary. It means that the lines of your boundary. You know you are going to Unilag because you are hoping to have a great destiny. But, but God is saying, your boundary is already in your heart. You can get all the education in the world. If what you are doing doesn't affect your heart, your life is already limited by the boundaries that your heart sustains in the moment. And that's why if God wants to do a great thing in your life, what he does is that he, he puts you in a situation that will affect your heart. If, you, if the boundaries don't change, your output can never change. So when you do prayer, and the prayer cannot affect your heart, it cannot change your life. It can change your life. 
Because the one that you are doing business with, he sees in So we are going to build, I'm going to show you 13 possible states that your heart can assume. 13. Only one is accurate. But there are 12 other postures. 12 other postures. Then you will now see why so little of the prayer efforts that we make translate to answers. We are prophetic people. We must be masters of this subject. This subject. Masters. Oh. Suddenly. You are going for a prayer meeting. Then somebody comes with a gossip. And then the gossip filters. And then you respond. On the same frequency of the person's gossip. Meanwhile, Satan was looking for an inroad. To, to manipulate you. So that your engagement will be in futility. He said, keep your heart with all diligence. There are people that you respect. Satan will speak through their vocal cords. Yes. He will use their vocal cords to speak to you. In a way as to kill your spirit. And to reduce the potential of what you can transact with your heart. Satan will fight your heart. Because he knows that it's in that plane. That you have the ability to become a mist. And mount up into the heavens. Jumper. The Bible says that he is in secret. That means as you begin to advance in prayer. Do you understand that? God now activates your spiritual senses. It is through those senses that you can now touch the one that is in secret. And that's why this engagement is going to be personal. Even though we are, we are praying corporately. What you see. What you touch. What you handle. And I will show you the protocol, show you your spiritual senses, show you what can blot out your spiritual sight, what can blot out your hearing, what can take away your discernment. That's where the battle is. Because it's in your boundary so that you will not grow beyond this level of influence upon the face of the earth. Satan wants to ensure that. But the, the place that will determine your boundary is your heart. If you know how to manage it, there will be no limit to your rising. After this man, I pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom thine is the power for thine is the glory and we thank you this morning because of this moment we ask, oh God, that this seed that has been planted on the hearts of your people will become viable. Make it possible for us to gather again on this subject and to build depths in our hearts that will make it easy for us to trap your, dim your dimensions down. 
Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. So the date of our next engagement will be communicated subsequently. <laughs>